All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Brews and Belters podcast. This is season two, episode 14. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. Um, joining me tonight, we've got a packed house. We've got Jack and Toby on air. Boys, how you doing? How was your Thanksgiving? Jack, you can take it first. How was it? Uh, it was great. Uh, North Carolina, never been before. Uh, we're in Raleigh. Uh, Twitterverse sent me to a ask for recommendations for a for a pub to watch the Everton match, um, and was not let down. Really good pub, really good beer. Um, so had a, a really good Thanksgiving and could, got to could check out a good spot. A could they pour a Guinness? Did you have a Guinness? So did not have a Guinness. It was actually like strictly craft beer, and then it was like a craft beer retail to store too. So. Uh. Um, is, is well, it's it, called Okay. It, yeah. Is that Classic. a segue into what you're sipping on tonight? Absolutely is. Uh, bought this one strictly for the marketing. I am drinking Reptar juice. Let's go. Uh, from twenty <laughs> from twenty six acres brewing somewhere in North Carolina. Uh, <laughs> New England IPA, but yeah, had to buy it for the Reptar juice. Yes, love Rugrats. Always a good shot. That's the first Rugrats shout-out we've had on this, too, by the way. It <laughs> is. I'm glad I could be the first. Glad it I'm is, first. and it better not be the last. I imagine that's got to be at least 35%, yeah? <laughs> uh, it's sitting at, what are we at? Hayes, New England style 7.2. Tall boy. We'll so that. That, good. Good. Yep. that can be a segue into my beer. I had a New England style IPA when I was working in St. Louis that I absolutely loved. Can't remember what it was called. And I've only had another one, uh, and I loved it. And so I found this Spruce IPA um, from Black Husky Brewing here in Milwaukee, uh, reminiscent of the essence of pine wafting in the breeze. So I'm thinking it might be like a New England style IPA, you know, have a little a little weight to it, but doesn't quite scratch that itch. It's pretty good. Um, what do we got? I think it's a 6%, oh no, 8.6%, excuse me. So it's pretty good, but it didn't really scratch that itch of the, the New England IPA. So uh, might have to come over and steal one of those from you, Jack. Toby, what are you sipping on? Uh, from Chicago, Illinois, Maplewood Brewing, Son of Juice IPA, uh, and it is juicy, juicy, juicy. It's six point three percent. Comes in tall boy cans. Sold at the local gas station. Love it. So nice. yeah, nice. Love that. All right, yeah. Well, we're gonna get into it with the uh, Ballon d'Or. Um, Premier League, little Champions League, and and just chat about whatever we feel like chatting about, yeah? So Let's do it. We'll kick it right off. Uh, Leo Messi wins his seventh Ballon d'Or. Um, yeah, I mean, we could keep this short. Uh, my opinion on it, Lewandowski was robbed now two years in a row. Um, Klopp, Daddy Klopp mentioned, you know, Messi's capable of winning it every year. If Lewandowski, you know, doesn't win it this year... Doesn't feel like he's ever going to, um, you know, do we do we feel like Lewandowski still has a chance? Do we see him, you know, being in contention over the next couple of years, gentlemen? I think both of those guys are at their peaks on, and they're going down. That's yeah. kind of how I see it with those guys. Uh, I mean, if Lewandowski doesn't win it this year, I don't know a year that he's going to win it. Like... Yeah. And also throw in that Messi has not been good for PSG this year. Mm -hmm. uh, like, I, that, I mean, I don't understand. He's scored, just looking at the stats right here, is this is this accurate? Has he scored one goal this year? That can't be accurate. Uh, uh, he, maybe one league un, and then I think he scored well, a Champions League. And I, that so, might be it. That actually might be it. I think you're accurate. That's accurate. So I see here one Liga on goal and then three Champions League goals to Lewandowski's fifteen. How many? How many has Lewandowski scored this year for for Bayern? Like, I yeah, I don't get it. Well, yeah. if you if you put into accumulation all the goals Messi scored at Barcelona, 
and you add those up with what he did at PSG, I think it's just grandfathered in that he should win. Still, though, uh, I mean, over the past year, year and a half, or you can even combine them into two since they didn't do one in 2020, Lewandowski's been a goal-scoring machine. So I feel like you can't really even argue that. And then, you know, Messi won um, the international tournament. I can't even think which one he won right now. Um, With Argentina, though, finally wins an international tournament. Um, but then, I mean, you even go to like Jorginho was in the running. Jorginho won a, a Champions League and a Euro Cup qualifier or uh, championship, excuse me. Like, I don't know. It it just yeah, it but, just felt dude, like there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of this. Like Bruno Fernandez was 21, whereas Kevin De Bruyne was number eight. I'm not arguing Kevin De Bruyne is. I mean, he's far and away better. But over the last year, like in goals and assists, both in league play and international play, Bruno Fernandes was a better all-around player than him, stat-wise. You know, and that's honestly, I think that's what they go off of a lot is based on the stat. Um, I mean, uh, all we have to say is number 23, GOAT number, Michael Jordan, shout out. Uh, Harry Kane, that's where he came in on this list. Do you think Raheem Sterling is better do you think he's a better player all around to Harry Kane? And do you think over the last year and a half has he been? No, he hasn't. Harry Kane has destroyed everyone in England. He was the best player for England, and he's the best, one of the best players, if not the best player in the Premier League all of last year. Fair. So I, Fair. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think anyone knows what the voting's going on. I mean, Lionel Messi even said it in his thing. He's like, Robert should have won it. Yeah, like, and he he specifically said last he said like twenty twenty season, so like he's kind of like yeah, Robert should have won it last year, but like I mean it was his, I thought it was his, and if it wasn't his, I thought it would have gone to a midfielder, but I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like it's more of a sexy pick, you know, to go with the the forward striker than it is a midfielder because I think. Uh, Jorginho and then I think Angola Conte were both more, especially Jorginho winning both for Italy and for Chelsea, you know, who had a better year than him trophy wise. Right. I, I, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the impact both of them had on their team too, just being the engine. I I feel like I'm a little bit partial to (laughs) midfielders in general, just because I feel like they are, are the engine of the team. I mean, obviously the, like you mentioned, the forwards, the sexier pick, but I don't know. I, sorry, but like, also like if we are comparing this year and that, like, this year and last year, right? Lewandowski won the Champions League last year, right? Like, right. Uh, over PSG, uh, Messi wasn't on the team at that point, but I, I, I still don't, I still don't understand it. Yeah, like I think it really is just a name recognition at this point. Yeah, yeah, and and the hype too. You know, him and Ronaldo both made huge moves. Messi made his first. It was the fucking talk of the universe for you know for months where's he gonna go and then he goes to psg so yeah i don't know it just felt like it felt like marketing but anyway we move forward to the premier league last week uh any matches in particular that stood out to you two that you want to discuss um jack i don't know if you want to talk about that toffees match or not i'm i'm putting it out there um yeah, uh, I don't want to talk about it for long. It was ter- terrible, like absolutely terrible. Um, I was listening to some Everton, uh, you know, podcasters and Twitterverse that on the BBC they were saying that uh, could Everton be the next Sunderland? Um, financially, it's not going well. The field is not going well. You have a coach who is already have he already has a short leash short leash with the fans and we had one goal in the entire month of November one goal God. in the entire month of November uh Alex so Alex Awobi won uh the Everton uh the what do they call it? like the, the the goal of the month the because he had the only goal he had the only goal by a landslide he won it by a landslide that's awesome and and like it's and it's also you couldn't score a goal against Brentford. Brentford has been terrible. Brentford had three goals scored on him by Watford, two goals scored on him by Norwich. Uh, and you're trying to tell me we can't score a goal? Like I get that we're 
uh, struggling through injuries, but like it's not acceptable that you can't score a goal against a newly promoted side that's in bad form right now. Um, I'm not on the Rafa out train. There's a lot of people that are on the Rafa out train. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I just think you, it's not good for the club to keep the rotation of managers going. Yeah, but it's I am I am honestly like getting nervous at this point. Um, Jack, do you think like, Rafa was a good decision when he was hired to begin with? Um, I might have said it on this podcast. I was not uh, a fan of the hire initially. I really would have liked Grant Potter. Um, preferred, but you know, once we hired him, I like I'll get behind him. You know, but I don't think it was. I don't think it was a good fit because we don't have very. Um, and he's going to have a very short list or uh, a short leash because of his, you know, history, uh, with Liverpool. So the fans aren't going to get behind him. They're not going to stick with him. Um, so you kind of like set him up for disaster, you know, injuries, shitty lineup and a bad history with us. So yeah, I, I could see why they fire him. I think we should stick with him though. I don't think it's good for the club. To, to move on from him yet, but we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see once the Reds start chanting Rafa Istanbul um, in Goodison Park this weekend. That's not going to go well. So, what what is the what is the beat of uh, Everton right now in Milwaukee where you're at? Like, what is what are your friends all saying about it? Because like eh, I don't know. I just feel like you guys are dropping right now. Um. I mean, it's really, it's really bad. I like people are not. It's just really bad, to be honest. It's really bad. And Toby and I kind of had this conversation last week, and it is a weird and tough situation because obviously he is on a short leash, like you said, and like Toby said, they are dropping points, and it sucks to see a club with history and a club that has good players in a situation like this where they just don't have the depth. And we've talked about that a million times with both Tottenham and Everton, actually, but especially Everton, where it's like, like you threw out Sunderland, like there's, there's whispers about like, they could be the next Sunderland. And that's how it happens. It's just too much football, not enough funding equals not enough players, too much football with not enough players equals more and more injury. Like, and that's how teams just start drowning. It's a shame and, to see that shit. And it and it's not even like the funding like we the the Farhad Mashiri has backed um previous um managers, right? Getting Hamez and you know, he, he spent yeah. money in the last four, five years, but it's spending money in the wrong places and we don't have a distinct style of of soccer that we play. And so um, I have real questions about Marcel Brands, director of football. Um, I have like, what's his job? Like, I, I also question like the managers that we have appointed that they're big names, but they're guys that at this point haven't fit us. And I think the blame is bigger than than the coach. I think it's rotten no. at the at the higher ups. I don't think we're I think we have money, uh, but also the system is kind of fucked because, right, the fair play uh, laws make it so that we can't spend any more money than we, you know, than we bring in, even though the owner wants to spend money. But, um, yeah, so I I don't blame the manager per se. I think he's gotten a lot of things wrong, but I think it's deeper than just this one appointment. Right. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Uh, you said big managers being brought in. Well, big managers require like big players when it comes to that. They require talent. Um, I mean, I don't know enough about Everton, but I know whenever I see who they bring on, sub-wise, are not like, great players, you know, that they're subbing on. So they don't have necessarily much more past their starting 11. Whereas you look at a team like, say, West Ham or Crystal Palace, who are kind of these sexy up-and-coming teams, where they have three or four guys that they can bring off the bench. Yeah, they're mostly under the age of 20, but they're young developmental players that they brought in-house and have brought them up. And I don't think I see that at Everton. Um, Whereas 
Crystal Palace over the weekend when they played Ashton Villa. They yes, they lost to Stevie. Uh, they lost to those guys, but besides that, like Crystal Palace today looked really good, even through that loss um, to Leeds. But they looked good, and they have young up and coming talent. And you know the teams that I mean, every year either you got to spend the money to bring in the talent, or you have to do it in house through coaching and whatnot. And I just I don't think Rafa. I don't know how good he is at developing young players. Um, so that has to be done at the like youth level, the U21s, U19, U17 programs. Um, so I don't know if Everton doesn't have that or not, but I just, I've noticed that when I see him on the sideline, there's just not a lot of good young talent being injected into their roster, which I think every team needs that. No matter how many good older players you have, you have to have that young talent to kind of revitalize the youth within your program. Well, I, I 100% agree. And, like, let's be honest, there's also not very many good old guys either, right? Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, we have, right, Decore, who's been fantastic. Townsend, who's started off hot, has, you know, drifted away. Damari Gray, who's young, you know, what is 26. Yeah. Um, you know, don't forget also, so we have Rondon, right, because DCL is still out. But also don't forget that Moise Keane is still an on the books with Everton. He's on loan and he's wanting, but I was like, it, what if that could have worked out? What if we actually had Moise Keane as our backup? Um, but you could uh, argue besides DCL, I mean, probably Richarlison and well, maybe your goaltender as well. Moise Keane is your best player. And he's been loaned out to two of, two of the best teams. Huh. In the, in the world. He's been loaned Wait. out to... He's, he's playing for UB right now, and then he was at PSG last year. Right. I mean, it, it, it wasn't that good. It didn't work. Mm-hmm. Our recruitment for him, our whole process around him. And that's where, like, that's where it's broken. Like, there's something broken when we did have a star or a potential star recruited him into the club when he was young. Uh, but something went really wrong, um, and he didn't want to stay, you know? Um yeah. So there's something wrong with our recruitment, something wrong with the higher-ups that we can't figure it out. And that's all I want to talk about. I'm so not looking forward to tomorrow. Um, and that's and that's is, and it is what it is. Yeah, so tomorrow they're in probably their biggest game of the year thus far, playing Liverpool in a huge derby. Uh, and yeah, Keegan, what do you think? Who do you think is going to walk through that one, Everton or Liverpool? Uh, I mean, just based off form, I I would assume that Liverpool uh, should take care of business tomorrow. I, I would hope so, but you never know in these derbies, man. Shit gets crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I would imagine with the way Liverpool have played the last week or so, um, beat Porto 2-0 and then beat Southampton 4-0. Diogo Jota has been playing really, really well. Salah's continuing to play well, and and those three are working together. Uh, Those two and and Mane are working together, similar to the way that that Bobby, Mane, and Salah were working together about two or three years ago, where all three of them are clicking, all three of them are providing assists, scoring goals. So, um, I mean, right now Salah leads the league with 11 goals, and tied in third place, you've got Mane and Jota. So... Like, and that that's just their style. Like, if, if they can put pressure on people, when they struggle, it's because they're not scoring goals. Because defensively, when they have bad games defensively, you know, when, when Van Dyke was out, like, last year, it, it, I would bitch about them playing poorly defensively, but they give up a goal in, like, the 85th. And they lose 1-0 or draw 1-1, and it's like, you know, these guys have three or four solid chances and they don't put them away. So the fact that they're back clicking again, I think is huge. So as long as that continues, um, you know, I, I think they're a threat to anybody. So, yeah, expect the win. Well, let's just stay in the Premier League. Uh, talking about other games, not necessarily this weekend, but we've watched previously. Uh, and then also in Champions League, uh, Manchester United. Uh <laughs> Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Like, what's going on with them right now? I have no idea. Like, they've had multiple coaches. They have Ralph in there right now. Well, huge, huge Champions League win last week against Villarreal. And, uh, you know, I mean, late goal from Ronaldo, and then Sancho finally gets his first goal in the 90th. 
that pretty much pushes them through. Uh, they would have been fighting for a spot this coming week if, if that wouldn't have happened, so that's huge. But then they come back, and they're lucky as hell to get a draw against Chelsea, who pretty much dominated them the entire match. Giorgino makes a mistake on a clearance, plays the ball right to Sancho, and he scores. Um, but, I mean... Cheeky finish by Sancho, by the way. Like, yeah. I like that. I yeah. thought he was going to pass it up. I wanted to say it was Jesse Lingard, who was in an onside position in front of him on the left, and he just deeped it right around uh, Ederson. Or not Ederson, but... Uh, yeah, he just kicked it right around the goalie at the time, and it was yeah, it was a good goal. Yeah, it was a good goal, but I mean, they just you can tell like even with a one-one draw, and I mean, good result for them. Like, if you would have told me that they were going to draw with Chelsea, I wouldn't have believed it, and they did. So, you know, fair to them, but just watching the match, like Chelsea was in command the entire match. So I'm curious yeah. to see what happens with uh, Rangnick when he comes in. Um, I mean, he's. He's the guy. He is that guy who brings clubs out of a struggling position, out of a, you know, a place where they aren't meeting standards, and brings them well beyond their standards. So, I don't know. So, what is the system like? What What's so special about him? Because I feel like it's a win win for him. Like this dude just goes in, pretty much covers everyone's ass, and then gets a pretty much a GM position at the end of the day, or an assistant GM, where he's just pretty much gonna do day to day operations with them. So, uh, Jack, do you have any thoughts? Um, I mean, my understanding is that he's in a right in interim. He's interim coach and pretty much acting as like technical manager, right? Am I understanding that that's yeah, yeah that's what that, he, exactly what Ollie was for three and a half years. <laughs> no, <laughs> he signed a contract for six months as an interim <laughs> manager, and then so, a minimum of two years as a consultant to the club. So exactly so, what Everton need, really. Somebody right. who, who and, consults their directors. My, uh, and so uh, Rognick was in the conversations for the job at Everton. Actually, had been linked with Everton multiple times. When, wow. we, when we hired Carlo, he was linked. When we hired Rafa, he was linked. I think I, I really like him, what he did with Leipzig, what he did with Hoffenheim. Um, uh, I think he's a really um, – He's a tactician, right? He's German. Play. He likes to play a very pressing style, which, right? Like, if you look at what Leipzig has done, um, you know, over the last couple of years, that style, I think it fits really well with Manchester United. Uh, the thing, though, that is very much a concern is, right? You go from Hoffenheim, Leipzig. Uh, there was another Bundesliga club that I'm forgetting. Schalke. At Schalke, right? Big clubs. But it's not Manchester United. Like, yeah. how is he going to do with the personalities at Manchester United, with the pressure of Manchester United? Uh, he plays young he, Ronaldo. Like, what? I, he plays and he plays young guys. He likes playing young guys, which is going to be great for Greenwood, great for Rashford. Um, he doesn't like making those types of Ronaldo type signings. So, how is that going to blend with Manchester United? Is something. That will be interesting, to say the least. Yeah, I'm. I'm really excited to see how he like commands that changing room. I would love to see a fucking camera in there. Like, I, I would love for them to do a documentary on this because I think those clashes of personalities will be interesting. Because he is, like you mentioned, a tactician, but also just super industrious. You know, he demands like the most out of his players. So, Toby, you were you were asking you know what's what he's known for and stuff and jack you mentioned it like he created the gagan press you know he created that heavy metal football style and like i i can't really imagine seeing cristiano ronaldo playing this uh i i I can see edison cavani playing this but i don't know if he's like got the legs under him anymore for it um i can see rashford and greenwood buying into it but then again like you know, a guy like Greenwood at the beginning of this year coming into this season kind of had the world in his hands at, you know, 20 years old or however old he is. I'm, I just think it'll be really interesting. Juan Bissaka, you know, Luke Shaw, like how these guys respond to that playing style, uh, just kind of being not asked of them, but demanded of them will just be super interesting. And then Tobes, 
any matches that stood out to you from the past week? Uh, we talked a little bit about Liverpool Southampton and and the Brent, uh, Brentford Everton match. Anything in particular that caught your eye? Uh, pretty much the only thing I will say is Sunday. I felt like everywhere was snowing in England. That was awesome to mm-hmm. see. To the point where the cowards at Burn Burnley decided to cancel the Tottenham Burnley game, uh, whereas everyone else was being dumped on with snow. Um, <clears throat> can't remember i want to say it was west ham city that was snowing so bad that they had to postpone uh halftime a little bit to like keep shoveling the uh, the pitch um but yeah it was just it was cool to see like um, like you, you see that maybe a few times a year watching the premier league and so it's fun to see it uh sunday where most of the games were snowing on the pitch um i thought the city west ham game was an awesome game um mm-hmm. What City right now is on a heater. They're, in my opinion, the best team in football without uh, even Kevin De Bruyne playing. Um, but West Ham stuck with them. Uh, they went balls out right at the beginning with those all-black unis. That was the main thing I took away from that entire game. Uh, and then, of course, the Chelsea United game. That was the other main one. Um, Chelsea, like... Jorginho screwed up midweek on a PK, and then he picked one up in this game in the 69th minute. All right, that's cool. Um, and then, yeah, Sancho got a second goal of the, of the week, uh, so that's huge for them as well. Uh, but that's about it. Um, I watched today's games. Um, Timu Puki looked pretty decent against a 10-man front, uh, so Norwich is slowly creeping up. Whereas we're getting what we wanted, where Newcastle gets bought out by a one of the richest people in the world, multi, multi, multi billion dollar guy, who's then going to be have owning a team that's relegated to the championship. So that was awesome, uh, and it came from Rafinha getting a PK in the ninety third minute. Did you guys see the the handball by chance? Didn't see. Okay, it. so so it was a it was a corner kick in like the eighty ninth minute and. The defender from West Ham, or excuse me, from uh, whoever leaves his plane today, I can't remember. Oh, Chris Apollos. Sorry. Uh, so he went up and he put his arm on the back of the guy's like nameplate, um, which most guys do. You know, when they jump, they kind of get up and kind of push to kind of spread the space so they can get more of an aerial header on it. Um, and in doing so, the ball ricocheted off of off of the leads player and hit the guy in the hand as he was like trying to brace himself, but he was, he was not, his hand wasn't touching anything at that point. So it was a handball. It wasn't called at first. Leeds guys all demanded it and they did go to VAR and they called it a handball. Guy got a yellow card for it as well. Rafinha came up and that was a pressure cooker. It's a home game for them. And he goes up in the 93rd minute and just sinks it. And he does, like, a dip and then a hop. Like, he does both. And then he doesn't even hit it with a ton of pace, but he just goes right past the goalie. Uh, Great PK, in my opinion. And I think Rafinha is playing as good as anyone in the Premier League right now for Leeds. Um, He is overshadowing anyone on that team for them. Um, He is looking really good to the point where I think he will have a really good year for Brazil as well. Um, I think it's going to just keep going up for him. Uh, but the ba- main thing that I took away from all this was his celebration afterwards. He did kind of like a salsa dance, but it wasn't just that. It was like there was no one around him, and he kept going for like 40 seconds. <laughs> for like 40 seconds, I was just like, holy shit, like this guy's amazing. And so that's why I want Leeds to just keep going up that up that slope. Like let him keep going. I'm even willing to sacrifice Norwich at this point. Definitely sacrifice Newcastle, probably Watford. Like, let's get them all. Let's get all the scum out of here. Let's keep Leeds as far up as we can right now because their, their fans alone are amazing. Have you guys seen a home game with them, with the fans? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But other than that, that's about it, Premier League-wise. Yeah. Champions. And he's, I mean, he's pretty much bet all they've got this year. He's got six goals. Um, that, that brought them out of the relegation zone uh, for now. So they jumped out of 17th, and I think they're in, like, 15th right now. So obviously a huge win for them. Um, just a couple other scores from the past week pre- prior to the Palace game today. Uh, Villa beat 
Palace 2-1. Stevie G gets his second win in two matches. Cool to see that matchup with uh, him managing Villa and, and Vieira, managing Palace, a couple of midfield legends that, that have just started their coaching careers recently. Um, McGinn with a fucking belter in that match. It was fun to watch. Um, other than that, Leicester and Watford, ton of goals in this. Uh, Leicester won 4-2. Speaking of snow, that pitch, it started snowing really heavily at the end of the first half, and then he came out second half. And, like, they didn't shovel the pitch, like, in the City match. Like, they were just like, fuck it, we're going to play. Because it's Leicester <laughs> and Watford, and they're like, oh, it's Jamie Vardy. He, he needs this. He needs this. Just just pour a little Red Bull on it, and we're good. Um, he had two goals, a couple really nice goals, scored a little outside of the foot chip. Um, and then Adam Lookman scored as well for them. So, uh, yeah, other than that, I think we uh, covered everything else. Um Regarding Premier League, I was just going to run through Champions League groups real quick, um, you know, before we get to anything else. I don't I don't even know. We don't have too much else on the agenda other than Belters, Booze, and Cheers, and I think Jack's got some, some Bundesliga. Actually, do you want to cover that, Jack? Anything you got from the Bundesliga? Uh, I mean, like, it'll just go down as a boo to be honest count this as my boo i attempted to watch i was really excited to watch uh leverkusen and leipzig i have really enjoyed watching a inconsistent leipzig this year jesse mars not uh, getting those guys up to full capacity i don't think but um but there's no fans they i mean the they shut down at least for that game uh no fans and i turned it on for a second but at this point, like, I don't think I can ever go back and watch a game without fans again. Um, yeah, for fear, obviously, for the new uh, uh, variant and all that stuff. So, I mean, if that's what the, the league has decided to do or that region, I guess, you know, in being in lines with what their, um, you know, politicians are asking them to do. But I attempted to watch it and I, and I just couldn't. So that's my that's my boo and my bonus league update. Uh, Jesse Marsh, is he looking okay? I've seen him only in the Premier League. I haven't really watched him in the Bundesliga this year. RB Leipzig. Um, so he, they beat, they beat Dortmund, uh, a couple weeks ago, which is a really big win. I believe they're sitting in seventh place at the moment or thereabouts. Um, so not good enough by Leipzig standards. He, he hasn't, uh, I don't think he's figured out the style that they, um, are shooting for. I don't think it's been very consistent. Um, it is very different than um, Nagels, Nagelsmann um, uh, in the style that they played there. So, yeah, it, it, he he needs to figure it out, and it's uh, hopefully and hopefully he does. But at this point, it's been really inconsistent. I wonder if Ragnik, as as an executive there was kind of uh, torn into leaving at this point. Like, obviously, he's done so much for the club already and brought them up from fourth-tier German football to Bundesliga and Champions League and where they're at now being a huge, you know, known club globally. But I wonder if he's seen their form recently. He's like, shit, do I want to leave now? But then again, I mean, when you've got one of the biggest clubs in the world who needs a, a total, you know facelift right now I guess that's a huge challenge as well and, and that seems like something that he's interested in but it's just kind of interesting with their form recently to, to think of him having to let go of that but that's a good segue into <laughs> that's a good yeah, just like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, 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 sorry last thing like but to think about it too like the project that is going to be Manchester United like sure he was the you know director over um, over Leipzig, but he was also really in charge of Red Bull soccer globally. Yeah, uh, he had to link everything with the New York Red Bulls, Salzburg. Um, is there, I don't. I think there's another one. I think there's a Brazilian team that they have. But you know, so they're linking this global brand of soccer that they play. Uh, so I mean, it is a big job. It's not yeah. just Leipzig. Uh, so. Anyway, that could make him a little bit more up to the task for Manchester United. 
Yeah, good point. Um, with that, getting into the Champions League groups, so obviously a lot of matches last week, and we covered a few of them. Um, I'm just going to go through as quickly as I can, kind of where everything stands, and I'll start with Group G because of um, Salzburg, actually. Group G is uh, really the only group that's still really tight. Um, you've got Lille at 8 points, Salzburg at 7, Sevilla at 6, and Wolfsburg at 5. And actually, well... Obviously, all these teams are tight. So Salzburg versus Sevilla. So that's seven versus six. And then Lille versus Wolfsburg, eight points versus five. So I'll let everyone else do the the maths involved here. Um, that's going to be a really tight finish no matter how things go. So that's really the closest group. Um, going back, Group A, City beat PSG 2-1, a City team that Really didn't put out a lot of studs. Obviously, DeBron is out. Um, Foden was wasn't in the starting lineup, um, and like some pundits right now are telling Poch to run. They think that he should get out of there. It kind of goes to what we're questioning with Ragnick taking over United. Kind of that clashing of an intelligent manager who who demands a lot from their players and is a tactician. Um, clashing with maybe some some egotistical players or some players who are you know superstars and and maybe that uh, heavy work rate isn't their really their mo. But Thierry Henry and Carragher were were talking and you know kind of made it sound like they feel like the players need to buy in, follow the manager's instructions more, not just expect to win. Um, they're playing three in the back right now with really attacking wingbacks and they're just being exposed. Teams are scoring on them. Um, and really, I mean, we mentioned earlier, Messi hasn't scored a ton of goals. Like, they aren't putting up the four or five goals a game where you can give up, you know, two goals a match or whatever. So when they run into a team like City, City's just going to rip you apart with their passing through the middle. Um, so it'll be, I don't know, it's, it's just kind of interesting whether or not Poch will stay. Obviously, there, were, there was conversation about him maybe going to United. Obviously, that job isn't up for grabs anymore. Um, or maybe after six months it will be, but I don't. It was just kind of interesting to see two figures like Thierry Henry and, and Jamie Carragher basically suggesting that he should get out of there, um, especially when Pochettino is a PSG legend, and you know that's such a huge club with so much potential. Yeah, I think PSG is semi broken right now, and I would I would beg for Posh to leave that position. Um, kind of backtracking to what you were just saying about Group G. That's kind of like the U.S.'s best group as well because uh, Lille is Timothy Weah, plays for them. RB Salzburg has uh, Brendan Aronson, and then Wolfsburg has uh, John Brooks. as their, So all those guys generally start. I, I want to say Timothy Weah is, comes off the bench for Lille. Um, and then Sevilla, of course, has, <laughs> has my boy Coco, old ex-Tottenham. Eric Lamella, I don't know if his Rabono won uh, Ballad Dior for Gold of the Year uh, for his Rabono on a, in against Arsenal, you know, and then I think he got red carded in that same game. Yeah. So uh, I don't remember that, but that that group alone is the best group in my opinion because everyone else has one to two good teams and it's kind of trash underneath it. Not them. They had literally the like the four best, most competitive play, teams to play each other and just have good competition every time, you know. Um, but yeah, getting back to PSG, who played Man City to a 2-1 defeat, uh, that was without Kevin De Bruyne as well, and City never looked like they were out of control in that game at all, Yeah, you know, and uh, I, I want to say, I can't remember who they had in goal, um, but I don't think it really, I, I don't think it mattered, they had Navas in goal, but it didn't matter, like, City was just on a different level than PSG. PSG just at times looked like they didn't care, you know, and that's, I, I think some of that is coaching with Poch, but I think a lot of that's also like, I think there's just that aura about PSG that you're just expected to be good. You know, you're expected to have everything handed to you kind of thing. And I just think they're a soft club. They are. Yeah. Like a, a material club, it, it feels like, and that's where it goes to, Again, obviously that balance of like a, a manager coming in and and demanding 
in the locker room, and that's why things at United will be interesting. But that's also why I have so much respect for for Pep because of his like this is my style. We're gonna play it, and they do it perfectly, and they perfectly execute it. And it doesn't matter if De Bruyne is out there or if fucking Zinchenko's playing out of position in the midfield instead of at left back. He's in the midfield, like. All of those players, it is total football. It is Cruyff football. Like they, they all know what to do in every position, and it's amazing to see that. And that's trust from players and a manager. And that's why, that's my beef, I guess, with PSG. I want to see them do that. I want to see those superstars buy in. But it, you know, that's the tough thing about sports, and you know, you you, you just don't get players with egos to buy into their manager. So. And again, tying back into United, I, I just think that's going to be really interesting to see whether or not those players have that respect and that discipline and kind of put their ego aside and, and buy into the system. So, this, Speaking of buying into the system, does Sergio Ramos want to play? I don't know what the deal injured? is with just like injuries or what, but there was all this hype about him, yeah, like making his debut, and I, I don't know what the deal is, so... <laughs> He's probably like, I can't fucking understand you, you dumb French people. What are you saying to me? And Pochettino's like, I'm Argentine, bro. Like, I don't even speak French. <laughs> anyway, Group B. Um, Milan beat Atletico 1-0. Uh, Liverpool beat Porto. They've got all 15 points, and they're through. Now Milan will play Porto, and Atletico will play against Liverpool. So Porto sits at five points. Atletico and Milan both have four. So really it's it's anybody's... I mean, if Atletico beat Liverpool, you'd assume Liverpool are going to put some, some players that don't play that much out there. So uh, they could get through. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. It, that'll be an interesting group. Things are tight there for that second spot. Group C... Ajax is through after coming back and beating Besiktas. Um, Sporting is currently in second, and they're three points above Dortmund in killing them on goal differential. It's like 10 goal difference. So they're basically through um, unless Sporting lose to Ajax and Dortmund beat Besiktas by a, a total difference of 10 goals, but that's pretty unlikely. Which begs the question that I have for you two, does Holland make a January move? Does he stick with Dortmund, or is this the time now where he's like, fuck it, I'm going in January, I'm going to play Champions League soccer in the spring? Jack, take this one. Uh, I mean, is the where would he go? I mean, reality, is it really just Manchester City? Is it really? Yeah. Is it's it's, it's pretty much play. City? Yeah. City or... Yeah. I don't know. Ronaldo's kind of taken up the nine at, at United, but who knows how things are going to go moving forward there. Potentially United, but they just have so many attackers already. It, I don't know. It, yeah, it's interesting. I think the allure of City would be bigger, right? Like, because he's guaranteed a spot. There's no, I mean, there's nobody there that's going to be able to to take it. Right. It's instantly you know that you're you're. Very likely going to go to at least the semis. Yeah. Um, so if he does make a move, I think that's the only place that can afford him and make sense for him. And I would not blame him if he went. Not at all. It, w- it would be interesting, man. Like, they've been fiending for that Champions League. And with his dad having played there, um, or no, his dad played for Leeds, I'm sorry, but he grew up. Uh, I want to say he was part of their academy. Maybe I'm maybe I'm totally mixing him up with someone. But regardless, it would be interesting if he was the missing piece and, uh, you know, he, he just kind of slid into that team in the January window of all things. I don't think any team's going to offer him the amount of money that he's worth in the January transfer window. I think he's going to have to wait till next year or till uh, the next transfer window, which is in the summer. Even a team like City, who are really fiending for that Champions League? Yeah, I mean, if Harry Kane's winning 150, Erling Haaland is going to go for 180 at the cheapest, in my opinion. 180. And that would be one of the highest transfers ever, if not the highest. I don't even know what the highest is. I don't have those advanced stats in front of me of dollar amounts. But uh, he's that good. He's that young. That's the main thing. He's yeah. that young. He's 
He's so good. Like he had, I I feel like he just came back from an injury. I want to say this week, and I want to say it was a knee injury that should have had him sideline another four or five weeks, and he came back early because his body's not normal. It's you not. Know, he's injured. It's not. It's not normal. It's not normal. I see that body on a daily basis. That's not normal. <laughs> I see that body on a daily basis. Google's Toby's Google history is just early in Google Google imaging, just some calves. <laughs> Sorry, by the way, everybody, my cat keeps meowing in the background. My dog's got him uh, got him cornered here. But anyway, um regardless, City and PSG are both through. Um, getting back to, oh, Dortmund. Yes, there we are. Um, doesn't look like they're going to get through. We'll see what happens with Holland. Group D, Real and Inter are both through. Um, Group E, Byron's through easily. Barcelona, this is where things get interesting. They drew with Benfica, nil-nil. Um, tied on goal differential. So if Benfica beats Dynamo Kiev and Barcelona either lose or draw to Bayern, which will probably be like Bayern's substitute side, then Benfica will go through. If Barca beats Bayern, then they're through. So Barcelona may not make it through um, to the next round of the Champions League. Can you imagine being in the in the Europas and being like, oh shit, and now here comes Barcelona, Dortmund, and Atletico Madrid. <laughs> like, yeah, man, oh. There's some good teams in Europas, though. Like, And with Barcelona being where they're at right now, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I get it. Like, You'd be, you'd probably shit yourself a little bit, but I don't not, know. Not Jamie Vardy. Jamie you Vardy would he, go in Jamie there. Jamie Vardy would beat the shit out of anyone on Barcelona squad. Guarantee it, hands down. He'd be licking hands his chops, down. man. Yeah. I would I would bet on Jamie Vardy to to knock out anyone in the before the third round, before the third. Yeah. Um, and that's and, our Champions League roundup. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, we still got unfortunately two more groups. I, <laughs> I knew this would drag on. Uh, group F: United are safe after the two zero win over Villarreal. Um, so we might not see Ronaldo in the World Cup, but we will see him in the Champions League rounds. Uh, Villarreal a point above Atalanta, and they'll play each other, so that'll decide who gets the the second position there. Um, and then Group G is a tight one. We already mentioned that. Group H, Chelsea and Juve are uh, both through there. So speaking of Serie A, top five there, Napoli with 35 points, Milan with 32, Inter and Atalanta both have 31, and then Roma with 25. We haven't really been given Serie A much love this year. Um. So yeah, that's all. That's uh, so all. I watched a little Atlanta game today. They're playing a uh, Venezia, who had two USA guys in the middle. They had uh, Gianluca Busio yeah. and Tanner Tessman. Uh, Gianluca Busio, I want to say, came from the Kansas City, uh, from their developmental, and I can't remember about Tanner Tessman. But uh, both of them looked okay. Tanner's Gianluca Busio has been pretty much starting for them like week two of the Syria, whereas uh, Tanner Testman kind of came on uh, because of injury the last week or two. Both of them look good, but I think just as a whole, that team just isn't very good. So like yeah. it is what it is, but Atalanta, I mean, they're legit. They're a good program. They have a lot of good talent. Uh, and yeah, I just, we just haven't watched much of it. The only other thing I'll say about Syria before we switch over to whatever else we want to talk about um, would be that uh, Weston McKinney from the USA uh, also went down with an injury last game. Um, so he might be out for some significant time as well. Nice. Um, not nice, but yeah, good good tidbit there. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Hamstrings, uh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, Busio has kind of become a little sweetheart there in Venice. Uh, he seems to be like a fan favorite from what I've seen. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> he's pretty much one of their top two or three players that they market. I follow them on Twitter, and he is, like, in everything. Just in a, in a gondola. He, he's the exact opposite of what an Italian, <laughs> a normal traditional Italian looks like. I don't know. But, yeah, he is. Uh, he's living life, and he has the Italian name. I think he was born on the East Coast, but uh, went through the developmental program in Kansas City. 
And yeah, he's a legit good player. I I don't think he'll get as much playing time for the U.S. men's national national team just for the fact that uh, they have so much talent at their forwards and midfield position. But he's he's good. Like he really yeah. is. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, belters, choo, cheers, booze. What do you got, Toby? Uh, I'm gonna go with negatives first. Um, I have two of them. First one is just a scoreline. This is a women's World Cup qualifier from either yesterday or today. Yeah. England twenty, Latvia zero. <laughs> Are we serious? Just brutal. Just the absolute like, brutality of it. They're about to start World like, War Three with a match like that. You see a seven zero or an eight zero, and you're like, "Damn!" Like those guys suck. But then you see a twenty zero, you're like, "Do they play? Do they play soccer? Like, do they? I don't know." Eight nil in the um, first half. So that's one. Uh, do you guys have any booze? Let's just get all the booze out of the way. Let's let's go positive for the rest of the time. I don't. Uh, Jack already gave his out. Unless you got another one, Jack. Nope, that's my boo. All right. Well, I have one more boo then. Okay, so this one's from the Portuguese league, uh, where Benfica beat, I I'm going to butcher this, but it's Belenesius. Uh They beat them 7-0, to zero, and that team, Belenesius, had 17 players and staff test positive for COVID the week prior to the game, and the Portuguese Football Association made them play this game. And so they were only able to fit nine players. So it was nine versus 11 to start the game. And the striker for that team was the backup goaltender. Swear to God. Like, he is the backup. They played two goalies in the game. One started in in keeper. The other one was their striker. They pretty much just played seven at the back the entire time. And it was just a clubbing. An absolute clubbing. Yeah, 17 players and staff tested positive for COVID in the Portuguese Federation made them play the game. So that's my that's my second boo, and that's my primary boo, by the way. Seven in the bag, and they gave up seven goals. Oh, my. Oh, dude, I mean, they were, they were playing two down before the game even started, and their yeah, goal, their yeah. striker was a freaking goalie. He, Jack, Jack is... Does that sound hot to you or not? You being a, goal, a previous goaltender, do you just want to get out on the pitch and just sit up top and, I don't know. I don't know, man. Nothing about that sounds fun at all. I don't know. <laughs> Nolan Wilson would have been eating that up, man. He would have been relishing that opportunity. <laughs> Absolutely. Shit. All right. That's my, uh, my booze. Um, I got to cheer for my boy Diogo Jota. Uh, so he's apparently like a huge FIFA player. Like he's on like a FIFA online team and he was supposed to be playing in an online FIFA competition on Saturday, but obviously at his Liverpool match against Southampton. So after scoring his first goal, he ran in his celebration. He sat cross-legged and was like twiddling his thumbs like he was playing FIFA because he was supposed to be playing his FIFA match at that time, and I thought that was hilarious. Little oh, yeah. home, little home cook in there for the for the Liverpool boy. Little home cooking, Jack. Do you have a cheer? Um, yeah, it's it's more something I haven't seen it yet or or listened to it. But have you heard about this new podcast, The Last Days of Maradona? Um, it's it's just starting to come out. I think the first episode dropped last week exclusively on Spotify. Uh, Thierry Henry is, uh, is the voice on it and it is a methodical kind of, I don't know, I think it's going to be 10 episodes, um, going through though the last, uh, the last days of Maradona. I've been really excited to, uh, to listen to it. I haven't listened to the first episode yet, but, um, yeah, if you got Spotify, give it a listen. Fuck yeah. So is it like audiobooks? It's um uh, no, it's a it's a podcast. It's uh, and Thierry Henry is hosting and then like they drop um, gotcha. I think so one a, one a week, like an episode. So it's hosted, not scripted. Okay. Correct, yep. I will listen yeah. to anything that Thierry Henry narrates. Agree. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's like the just, French. I, just the, not I won't root for any team that he coaches. The French <laughs> Morgan Freeman. She's got a soothing, soothing voice. Belters, boys. 
Whoa, 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 whoa. I have a cheer still, bro. Ah, Tobes with a little positivity to, to balance um, out the two. A little positivity. Two Mine weeks. is for today. Uh, so we're in the 96th minute of the Leeds-Crystal Palace game, and I want to say it was Zaha. Someone kicked Benteke. Someone kicked it out of bounds. And what you're talking, Jack, earlier about the Bundesliga, how it's great to have fans. You don't want them not to be there. And Leeds, Leeds is like a legit market in England. And so I want that team to be good. And the fans got the ball kicked to them. No other ball boy came to the rescue. And the, the ball stayed in the crowd for almost 25, 30 seconds. Whereas the fans just kept tossing the ball back behind them. They didn't go forward. The guys, they like stashed it for like eight seconds. And like, Someone from the other from Crystal Palace is like, "Hey, give us the ball, so throw in." And they then threw the ball sideways and then backwards, and they just worked their way to the middle of the stadium and up. And the ball like just disappeared to the point where the uh, the ref had to come whistle for a ball boy to then throw a ball to the to the Crystal Palace. But it was like shit houseery for everyone and it was like literally 25 30 seconds rolled off the clock at that point it was like that is what soccer is in my opinion where like everyone's involved it's not it's not just the 11 playing that's a routine set piece that Leeds has oh we've got the lead <laughs> toss it back toss it back the ball boys are in on it Bielsa's in on it everybody all right now can we move on to belters or do you have another cheer Tobes? <laughs> no, no, I had two booze, one cheer. All right, that's it. Hit us with your belter, Jack. Uh, I honestly don't really have one. I didn't watch a ton of soccer, and unfortunately, Everton didn't have any belters throughout the month of November. So, for that matter, will you sh- will you throw out the uh, the Awobi stat that you mentioned prior to us uh, starting? Oh, the do you? Yeah, so Awobi, yeah, the only goal uh, for Everton in the month of November. But also throw this on, in three years, Awobi only has three goals. So great signing there, $35 million. Great signing. Oh, my. That's rough. So, I thought he was going to be good. I really did, originally. Like, Arsenal, so I just Awobi, want everyone I to know, right now, I'm drinking beer, IPAs, and washing it down with a water and Keegan is doing the exact opposite. He's drinking beer and watching it down with eggnog right now. <laughs> and the holiday season is upon us. It is eggnog season. It's eggnog season. I love me some nog. Love me <laughs> some nog. All right, Tobes, what you got for Belters? Uh, of course I have Timu Puki. Belter of the day. Not just today. That is probably goal of the season in the Premier League thus far. If I had to say so myself, got under it. <laughs> Roofed it, top shelf, heater, yowzas. Follow us on uh, Twitter. I uh, posted it like 18 minutes after the fact. Had a typo, had to delete it, retweet it again. But we got it <laughs> We got it cleared up with the admin. Don't worry about us. Love it. Yeah, that was a great goal. Um, yeah, I had Pookie mentioned. Uh, I mentioned McGinn earlier. He had a curler. Reese James scored a laser in their Champions League match last week against Juventus. Caught it on the volley, but I'm going to give a shout-out to Manuel Lanzini. Um, He scored the lone goal uh, for West Ham last week against City. Late in the match, pretty much a consolation goal, but uh, Fernandino lost it in their own half right outside of their 18. Lanzini just like spinning, catching it on the volley, uh, outside of the foot, top left, hit it off the uh, off the post, and it bounced in. Super, super good finish. Uh, and he's just one of those guys who he'll come in as a sub, but he's just got crazy sneaky skill. And yeah, I that think, was in the 94th minute, if I remember right. That was like yeah. garbage time, but it was like one of the better goals that you, of the weekend in garbage time. Yeah, and tur- against Fernandinho, who put them up. T- 2-0 at that point so yeah I turned that match off in the 88th and it was 1-0 and then I looked the score up later and ended up 2-1 um, stupid wow. yeah yeah premature click by me but 
All right, I think that wraps it up. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce and Belters. We will be back next week. Who knows what day? Schedule's been crazy lately, but probably Tuesday Thank you, or Thursday. Jack, our uh, number one uh, pundit. Always, always. Thanks, guys. Always good to yeah. be on. Thanks, boys. Uh, I, I just can't help but notice that it's been exactly sixty minutes, and we probably spent eight to twelve minutes on Everton, which is like kind of like a. I don't know, Keegs. What 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 is it? If you spend if you spend anywhere from fifteen to twenty minutes on one subject matter, like Everton, what what is that? Is that bad? Is that bad shit. Bad. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Going through Champions League while the cat was meowing in the background <laughs> felt like an hour. So uh, we'll we'll take an hour and twenty five seconds here. So all right, Cheers, everybody. Everyone. Cheers. Cheers.